Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Hi, Joshua here, producer for Living Wealthy Radio. In today's conversation, Teresa is reminiscing with a longtime friend and mentor about their bank-on-yourself journey. In fact, today's guest is the advisor who turned Teresa on to her first bank-on-yourself policy and later helped her become a certified advisor. They discuss the intensive training that distinguishes bank-on-yourself advisors, as well as some of the unique objections they've encountered along the way, and the incredible power and the potential that these plans afford people, regardless of where they're coming from, really. Our guest lays out some of the most distinguishing characteristics of a bank-on-yourself certified plan, and he goes on to explain why so many financial advisors today have either never heard of such a design, or they think it's a bad idea whenever they do encounter it. Hang around. This is a stroll down memory lane for Teresa, as well as an insightful reflection on where the bank-on-yourself movement really has been and where it's heading next. Today's enriching fact of the day is that you can actually stop worrying by embracing four big ideas. Do you spend a lot of time worrying? Many people do. They spend their time worrying about their money, their careers, their houses and cars, and they don't have much time left over to enjoy their lives. When was the last time you found yourself lost in thought, worrying about something while spending time with your family or your friends? You could have been enjoying that moment, but instead, you were stressing over something else. Most people know worry and stress are bad for you. We all want to worry less, right? But how do you do that? Dale Carnegie wrote about four very powerful ideas that show us the way. Here they are, one by one, in a nutshell. Number one, ask yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen in a given situation? Define the worst case scenario so you can look it in the eye and know exactly what it is, how bad it is, and it probably won't be as bad as you think. Don't let your mind have all that vagueness and playroom to scare you with. Maybe you don't get that next big promotion. Maybe you have to drive your car another year before upgrading it. Maybe you leave a bad impression with someone you meet or when you give a presentation. Whatever the situation, identify that negative outcome that is the worst possible scenario and that you're subconsciously dreading and worrying about. And you know what? It's probably not going to be nearly that bad. Big idea number two, the absurdity of worrying. Try to put yourself in the shoes of someone about to die. Do you think they're worrying about their taxes going up next year or their kitchen remodel project? I doubt it. Practice viewing your problems from the perspective of someone who is about to lose their life, who can see the big picture, and everything else is just going to pale in comparison. Worrying about the things you normally worry about day to day will seem absurd. Next, busy your mind doing creative and positive things. You're going to think about something on that commute to work or when you're sitting on the couch after a hard day. What's it going to be? If you want to quit worrying, start filling your mind and life with things that bring meaning. Read good books. Invest your time into really knowing your loved ones. Join a charitable cause. Get passionate about something creative and positive. 
Life is potential. Immerse yourself in it and crowd out the negativity. Lastly, the fourth big idea that Carnegie wrote about is this. Would you sell your legs for a million dollars? Think about this. Would you sell your legs and your arms, all four, for a billion dollars? No way, right? Your limbs are way more valuable to you. Now, how much will your stuff be worth at the end of your life? After all the worry and stress and misery that you put yourself through, after you've amassed everything at the end of your life, how much do you think it'll be worth? Maybe a million bucks? Maybe 10 million if you're lucky? So why worry about all of those things that will add up to only a few million bucks in the end if you're lucky, when really you already have what you value far more right now? The things that you want in this life are already in your life. You just need to enjoy them. Today's enriching fact reveals how silly our worries are. Today, we are alive. Those things that happen around us, or the things we kill ourselves stressing over, don't really matter. We can free ourselves from worry simply by focusing on the bigger picture. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. There are so many business leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are unaligned and, therefore, spinning their wheels. The result is a loss of productivity and burnout. Virtually all companies, big and small, are underachieving their maximum potential. And why? Well, because they lack the tools, the information, the accountability to achieve meaningful objectives. That's why here at Living Wealthy Radio, we love Business Finishing School, or BFS. They provide you with the tools, strategies, and information you need to run your business more effectively and efficiently. This simplifies your processes and maximizes your potential. The first year alone teaches you the 12 foundation principles of business to immediately streamline your business and begin seeing results. Plus, There are three more years of powerful material on top of that to finish out a complete business education. Let your business brain finish what your entrepreneurial heart started. The power is in the simplicity. For more information on BFS, visit businessfinishingschool.com. Joining us today is Marvin Bulis, a longtime friend and fellow Bank on Yourself advisor. He's a senior consultant at Strategic Education Technologies and helps train others to share the incredible power of the Bank on Yourself financial solutions. And he's joined us here today to discuss some of the amazing things that set Bank on Yourself advisors apart from the crowd and the crowd being, you know, other financial advisors in the financial services and solutions industry and why he believes so much in this very unique approach to steadily building wealth. Welcome back to Living Wealthy Radio, Marvin. Thank you for having me, Teresa. Oh, of course. My pleasure. It's been a long time since our first podcast. And just to remind the audience, you were actually my Bank on Yourself coach when I got started with Bank on Yourself. And we're going back, I think, 15, 16 years. It's a long way, isn't it? 
It's a long time, almost two decades. And in fact, you helped me start my very first bank on yourself policy. And that's going back, I believe it's 2004. Oh, my goodness. Well, what a long road we've traveled, and, and I feel like we've only just begun. I know. We've only just begun, as, as the song goes. So tell us how you came to discover Bank on Yourself. Oh, my goodness. Well, a long time ago, I was working in the financial services industry. Uh, I was actually working for a regional bank at the time. And I had hopped around from thing to thing there, from position to position, anywhere from managing branches to managing call centers to securities to anything, really, uh, trying to find my home there. Never really could find exactly what was right. And I had a friend uh, by the name of Tim Austin. You might know him. And he, he called me to, to work with him uh, to bring bank on yourself to uh, a number of agents and a number of advisors and, and CPAs and attorneys around the country. He said that he really needed help with this because it was going to be groundbreaking and it's not something new, but it's, it's been around for a long time. And, and he wants in his heart and soul to get this to as many people as possible. Well, I'd known Tim for a very long time and I seriously considered his offer, but when I got up and looked around and just realized that in the whole financial services industry, as far as and wide and deep as I've looked, I really haven't found my home. I didn't feel like it was quite right. So I decided to, okay, Tim, it's Thursday. I'll be in on Monday and let's see what we can do. Well, as you know, Teresa, that's been over 16 years ago. And Tim introduced me to the bank on yourself concept. And it just clicked. It just made sense. It was the thing that I was missing that really helped me understand how I could get to where I wanted to go financially and how I could help other people get to where they wanted to go without taking any unnecessary risk. And that's really how I found out about banking yourself. And it's just developed from there. So Tim Austin was actually the brother of your best friend. And what Tim was starting at that time was really... Um, he, he wanted an organization of advisors specializing in bank on yourself to get this out to the masses. The, the objective and the mission was let's train as many advisors out there to design and implement and service this strategy to as many people as possible. And you were on the front line of that. Is that correct? It sure is. It was a it was a nice thing to be in right in the beginning of when he was starting this because I, I got to meet some people who had so much passion for this and, and, and who didn't necessarily fully understand it until they started doing it, just like me. And and once they did, it was it was the passion to make sure that others knew that this was an option. And that is something that I found uh, when, when I looked into the concept and started my training, everybody I met was super passionate about this. Like, it's something that you either get or you don't get, especially in the beginning. It clicks or it doesn't click. But there was like something, it, it wasn't just a way to make a living. It was much deeper than that. It was a mission. It was a passion. It, there was a fire 
and all of us to bring something of value to the marketplace that was congruent on a philosophical perspective. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Just like one of our mentors, Nelson Nash, said, it isn't caught, it isn't taught, it's caught. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. We, we started to learn about it, of course, but the catching it, just understanding it, and it lit a fire inside me to make sure that not only I did this for my own personal family, but I wanted to make sure that everybody understood this as an option, has this as an option, so they can choose to do it or not. So was it an easy road to hoe? Like, did you choose the path of least resistance? <laughs> Not exactly. So, <laughs> not exactly. Teresa. I've got, you know, I've got to laugh because <laughs> there's a lot of other things easier to, <laughs> to work with. So, so let me tell you, when I started, when I made that decision, uh, it was in September. And a couple months later was our, or well, yeah, a couple months later was, Thanksgiving, and I'm sitting down with my big fat Italian family, and I had this comfy job at the regional uh, bank with a comfy career path. And my goodness, uh, everybody was so proud of their uh, son or nephew or whoever I was to them because I was going along the way of convention. And I said at our Thanksgiving dinner to one of my uh, one of my family mentors, my uncle Bob. Hey, uncle Bob, I. I took this new job and, and I'm going to be teaching uh, about whole life insurance to, to people. And he looked at me and he said, you're going to be an insurance deal? Is it with the bank at least? No, Uncle Bob, it's with a friend. And my goodness, uh, I, I think I might have taken a couple years off of his life. Uh, but it's, it's funny because he's still alive uh, and he's followed me through my career path. And he has only in the last couple of years admitted to me that, you know what? You really did do something wonderful. And I'm really proud of you. <laughs> so, Is this the Uncle Bob I know? It very well may be. Uh, yeah. The... I've gotten a number of Uncle Bobs, believe it or not. Okay. Okay. Because I do know one of your uncles. And, um, and, and yes, it is, it is absolutely not the path of least resistance, not from a, a family perspective, not from a friend perspective, not from a marketplace perspective. And especially back then, there was nothing good ever written about whole life insurance back then, ever, except what Nelson Nash taught us. So we were, exactly. talk about pushing a boulder up a mountain. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As one of my cohorts here likes to say, pushing a rope uphill. Uh, it's, it was exactly that. And in the world of bank on yourself or whole life insurance, let, let's say this niche, right? Because it goes under different names, but you know, bank on yourself was actually Pamela Yellen's um, brand for uh, the concept of a specifically designed whole life policy that does what, you know, we, we say it does, right? And so in that whole world, Marvin, I don't think there's anybody else out there that's trained as many advisors as you have. 
you know, that's possible. I, I've been here for quite a few years and I've seen a lot of people come through the training process. And, and quite frankly, a lot of people leave the training process and, and not complete. But uh, the people that stick around, just like you, uh, have that passion. They have the, have the ability and the willingness to stick it out. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that, you know, what, what, what dif- differentiates an advisor who makes it versus an advisor who doesn't? That's really such a good question that I think about all the time because I wish I could find more people that would be willing to take up this, this concept and bring it to their clients, Teresa. I think about this all the time. And I realize it's, it's a lot like everything else in this world. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's not the easiest thing to reverse all the years of conventional thinking in my, in my head when I started this. It's not the, the easiest thing to do to uh, look at a product and minimize compensation in order to maximize the benefit to the client. It's, it's not the traditional thing to do when you look at all of the planning. I've, I've recently obtained a, a certified financial planner designation, and they don't have it exactly right with the type of whole life insurance that we put together for our clients. And, and if they're teaching that and they're the highest accreditation of what we do in, in the financial services field, there's a lot of people that just get it wrong and get taught wrong from day one. So accepting all of these things that we're talking about is a very difficult pill to swallow for most financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys, planners, and people who want to bring something like this to their clients. And congratulations on that designation. And I remember as, as you've, because you've gotten quite a few uh, accreditations over the years, and I remember you sharing with me, you know, as you were taking the courses and they're talking about whole life insurance, how so much of that information is not accurate or does not refer to uh, what we do here with Bank on Yourself. It's, they're not talking about the specifically designed strategy or the specifically designed policy that we're talking about. That's correct. They very much high level it. They, they come in at 30,000 feet and say, this is whole life insurance. This is variable. This is universal. This is this, this is that, this is term. And everything has its applications and then they move on. And they don't ever discuss the type of policies that we put together in the training. And you mentioned something else. You mentioned that uh, by design and on purpose from an advisor perspective, you're recruiting and training advisors to sell something at uh, a level or with a design where they're going to make 50 to 70% less, right? Every time they make a sale, Versus right. selling, you know, a conventional financial strategy. That's not the easiest thing to recruit and train on. No, no. I mean, think about talking to a, a job applicant. And this job applicant has gone to multiple interviews. And they come sit in front of you and say, well, I really like to get into the financial services field. And you say, great. 
I want you to do this for your clients because it's the best thing. And you're going to be earning about half that of what you would do uh, anywhere else, especially initially. Uh, for every single product that you sell, you're going to be 50 to 70% less than everybody else as far as compensation to you. Uh, when do you want to start? <laughs> and, and and the answer is, oh, I think maybe I'm going to go somewhere else because I'd like to make more money. And honestly, and quite frankly, Teresa, I'm almost happy that we don't get people that, that focus primarily on income for themselves even though that's an important thing. Uh, one thing, one, one, like you said, uh, the advisors that stick around with us have the passion to be able to bring something like this to their clients that opens their eyes, that educates their clients in a way that nobody else has done for them in the past, whether the client is 21 or 72. And now, because of the Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor, they have an option that they didn't otherwise have. All of our advisors who stick around have that passion, and it is something that I enjoy uh, immensely. In, in 16 years, I haven't really had a bad day of work because I come to work every day, get to talk with my friends, and we get to make this world a better place. You know, it's got to be a win-win, right? And so we don't want to sit here and and sound like we're martyrs, right? And because uh, nothing could be further from the truth. It is it is a total win-win. And I know my story. And when I found, you know, this concept, I was looking for something in the financial services industry that was congruent with my values and congruent with my understanding of how money worked and serving my clients before it. You know, I saw so many issues and I, you know, projected out into the future. I didn't want a whole practice of clients that were miserable with their financial life. And I saw the issues in the traditional financial planning. And so when I met and understood Bank on Yourself, and it made so much sense, uh, to me, the the reduction in commission, so to speak, and in terms of the income that I was going to make for selling one policy wasn't even an issue. It was about look at the business I can build, look at the value that I can bring to the marketplace, selling something and offering something and serving my clients with a strategy that makes so much sense and won't, cannot hurt people, just absolutely cannot hurt people. And so I know my experience and I don't know how many other advisors you have, but um, because of my legal background and because of my training and how I think Marvin, you are unbelievable in terms of patience and understanding of, um, all the questions that I had trying to really understand at a very technical level, how the strategy works. Do you, do you remember those days? Let's just say I didn't like you as much as I do today. (laughs) (laughs) But it made you a better coach. (laughs) Absolutely. No, it was wonderful. You would bring these things to, to light. You'd come at me with a question that I'd never heard before. And, and I, I, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's excellent. You made me sometimes question what I was doing. So I'd go out and I'd do the research and I'd come back and I'd give you the, the answer that I was so proud of, whatever it might have been, because I figured it out. But that just led to another question from you. And 
because of your thought process and your vetting of this concept, you made the concept better because now I can teach it in a better fashion. Well, and that came from my wanting to make sure that what I brought to the marketplace um, was the product that I thought I was bringing to the marketplace, right? You know, it was my understanding of this is how this works. Is this really what the client's going to get? That that really, at the end of the day, is where all of that came from. And it made... Um, all of us better. And it wasn't just me asking those really technical questions. There was, there's a group of us and there has been a group of us from day one that get together on a, um, what is it like three times a month and go over the concepts, go over the strategies, go over the designs, go over cases, go over case studies. I mean, we study this thing backwards and forwards and every which way the training that we're offered with Bank on Yourself, it really is, um, I've never seen anything like it in the industry. Well, I find it extremely important to make sure that since you haven't been taught about this elsewhere, if you're going to go ahead and teach somebody else and teach your client and implement this life-changing strategy, and I don't say that lightly, it is a life-changing strategy, and you can read review after review about how this has changed people's lives once they've been implemented. Uh, you need to get it right. So I don't take my job very lightly. Uh, I want to make sure that you understand front, back, and sideways exactly what this is about and how it can affect somebody's life. So you can then be the teacher to your client, and your client can decide for, for themselves whether it's a worthy venture to get into. And usually it is. And usually it is, right? And so with all this extensive training that we've had, and, and really, if you look back, you know, 15, 16 years of month after month, multiple um, times we gather together to, to, you know, do case studies and understand what we're doing. You've got a client or a prospect who says, oh, I gave this to my CPA or financial advisor, or wealth advisor or attorney or friend or wife or coworker. And they, they say it's junk. They say it's garbage. They say this doesn't work. They say it's too good to be true. Like, what do you say to that? Uh, well, there. And, and that rarely happens, right? It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always think of quotes. My, my brain, I'm, I'm kind of a guy in that fashion. I think about quotes. Uh, first off, with the training, I think of Steven Tyler. Life's a journey, not a destination, right? Well, our training is a journey. It's not a destination. We're never going to be, we're never going to know it all, but we're going to know a heck of a lot more than somebody else because we've been thinking and immersing ourselves in this for years. Uh, the training, just like you said, two to three times a month, we're on the phone talking about case studies and talking about how the concept has uh, positively enriched people's lives and the, the type of people that we can work with to help even more and, and and all the all the continuing education that we do on a monthly basis. It's extremely important. But all this stuff that we do, the modules that we have gone through and the tests that we have passed and the regulations that we've, we've uh, complied with and all of this stuff that we do, the person that says, yeah, that's, that's dumb, how much of that have they done? How much due diligence have they put in to give that opinion. 
And that's usually the answer that I give to people. I, you know, when they say, my cousin said that this is really stupid. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. Your cousin has a right to their opinion. That's, that's great. Did they tell you why? Well, it's a bad investment. Well, didn't I tell you that life insurance isn't an investment to begin with? <laughs> and and you have to really ask questions about everything and ask, let the client understand that the sources that they're getting them from aren't necessarily vetted sources. There's somebody with an opinion, and that's fine to have an opinion, but how much value are you going to put in that opinion? So what would you say are the most common objections you hear to the bank on yourself solution? I don't need life insurance. That's a good one. I, I don't need life insurance. And uh, that is possible to not need life insurance. As, as a bank on yourself authorized advisor and an insurance agent as it is, you need to do an insurance needs analysis. And that's part of the process of what we do. When you do that, you find out and you're able to show somebody, well, this is how much life insurance that you can qualify for and, and that you that your human life is worth. People don't understand and realize if they were to stop breathing yesterday, what their human life value is today. And once we show them that, once we are able to show them this is a life insurance policy, first and foremost, and, and it, it's a wonderful asset to have. But it also answers all of these other things in your life. Even if you vehemently oppose life insurance, but you need all of these other things in your life, and this fits it perfectly, why would you reject this? So explain human life value. So if I were not to wake up, this morning, and as you know, since we're talking, I'm here, so no bad juju on me. If I were not to wake up this morning, Rachel, my wife, is heavily reliant on my income. That's the first thing to think about. How much income would I have produced had I lived to my life expectancy? Um, how much uh, would, would the retirement assets that I have, would the savings that I have, would the things that I do add to the human life value? So they're basically assigning a dollar amount to your human life. And they're quite good at doing that at insurance companies because, because they insure against that. Uh, they insure against the untimely passing of, of a human. So in the event that you were to pass away, uh, what would you have contributed to your, your family, uh, potential uh, charities and, and, and benefits of that sort, uh, what would you have contributed? And that's your human life value. And a life insurance company, uh, the underwriting process ensures that you're not overinsured from what they see as the human life value. But in the marketplace, um, I'm sorry? Oh, absolutely. I was just going to agree with you. But it's it's funny because, and and I know you see this all the time. I see it all the time. It, it just floors me how many people have a spouse, have kids, and have no insurance besides what their employer offers. Is that the craziest thing? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I try to explain it to people if they think that they can be insured for more than they're worth. Uh, I say that an insurance company is an insurance company, and it's designed to make sure that it makes sound decisions, not only for the company, but for, in, in our case, since we use mutual insurance companies, for the benefit of all uh, policyholders. So they're out there making as best a decision they can make when, when it comes to an application. So I tell my clients, hey, what kind of car do you drive? And they'd say, oh, well, I drive a Ford Fusion. Oh, that's great. So let me ask you this. If you were to call up your car insurance company and tell them, I would like to get an insurance policy on my Ford Fusion, and if I destroy it, somehow, some way, if it gets stolen or wrecked, that you're going to pay me enough to get a Ferrari. Do you think that they're going to do that for you? And, of course, I get a lot of laughs. And, what are you kidding? You're, you, it's crazy. And I say, well, that's the same thing with your life. They know how much you're worth. You're going to give them the data, and, and I'm going to help you out with that as well, and we're going to take a look at that. But they're not going to be able to insure you uh, for a Ferrari if you're only a Ford Fusion. Conversely, by the way, would you ever say, I want a Ford Fusion if I own a Ferrari? Of course not. Yeah. So people people need to understand that, that that's a standard process that they can use to determine what you're truly worth and if you don't want to bear that risk of loss yourself, that's what an insurance company does. You're transferring that risk to a third party and the insurance company. And in our case, Absolutely. it's the whole life insurance companies. Have you ever had a client pass away and the beneficiary call you up and say, I'm really angry that I got a check for X amount? Not yet. I, like, I'd like I, to give I'm, this money back. Like, I, I made too <laughs> too much money from the death of my, you know, whatever. No, I, I can't. I can't say that that's ever happened yet on my watch. Uh, not saying that it can't ever happen, but uh, it's been quite a few years. In fact, it's quite the opposite, right? Sure. Many times they're like, "Gosh, I, I, you know, I don't know that we have enough." Absolutely. I've seen that happen a, a number of times and even with, with seven figure sums, Teresa. I know. Uh, if, if I were not to have woken up this morning, a million dollars wouldn't be enough to put my three kids through college and retire my wife in the fashion that we expected to do. Right. Right. And, you know, there's this false idea out there that buy term, invest the difference. And then when you retire or when you die, your investments will take care of your family and you'll no longer have that term insurance, but at least you didn't buy permanent coverage. Well, what they're not seeing is, you know, or, or certain things have to happen in a perfect world, right? For that to be true. Number one, the investments need to have, uh, worked out the way you thought it would. Number two, you need to die at a certain age. Uh, number three, uh, you need to make sure that your expenses 
if you had any health issues, right, you, you didn't need to take from your estate or your investments to pay for your care. I mean, there's so many things that have to happen in a perfect world, and it rarely ever does. And when my clients, you know, meet me and they're in their 50s or 60s and they realize this, they're like, wow, I, I wish I had this when I was younger. Because now I, I'd have I, more choices with my money and I don't have as many options as I thought I was going to have. It, it brings up a couple things. There's one really good agent. I, I'm not going to bring up his name, but uh, what I did want to tell you is that the reason he got so galvanized with bank on yourself and, and so uh, firm in his, his desire to get to talk to his clients is that he used to be a full service rep. He'd sell investments. He'd sell all this other stuff. And, but mostly he worked with his dad selling insurance. And the, these big clients would come to him and say, oh, you know what? Don't mess with the securities thing. I got my own thing over here. You just put as much insurance as you need on me and I'll just pay you because they were doing favors to his dad by getting him into the business for insurance. I just do whatever, I'll pay you. So he would put these insurance plans in place, similar to what we do, not quite as exactly as we do, but very similar. Lots of high cash value and, and permanent whole life policies that were designed to last forever. So they uh, come later, because this guy's a few, little bit older, so 20 years later, it's time to retire for these clients. And they would come to him and he'd say, okay, well, here's your insurance stuff. What else do you have? And they would tell him nothing. He said, excuse me, what, what about all this other stuff that you did? He's like, yeah, nothing worked out. All I've got is what you've got. Mm. Mm. So it just astonished him with all the tools of, of these higher net worth clients to do what they wanted to do. They don't have nearly enough in play. In, in the market and, and in investment type things to get them by. And a, a lot of what they had, the vast majority is what was left in the life insurance. And that was it. So that really galvanized him to that. Um, it was, uh, and, and it's something that people really do need to consider because in our planning and what we do and how we look at things, we want to take as many variables off the table as possible. We want to make sure that with a lot of confidence and certainty, you hit your goal without taking any unnecessary risk. So we try to mitigate your tax issues coming coming forward. And of course, we're not CPAs or accountants, but we want you to understand the basics. If you don't have to worry about whether your money's going to be taxed or not in the future, if you can just take that tax off and, and, and say, okay, well, this is really what I'm going to be looking forward to getting. Would would it be nice to not have to worry about whether taxes go up or down in the future? You know, that's just one variable. We look at a number of variables, of course, but uh, we try to mitigate as many variables as possible so you're more confident about your future. Very well said. Very well said. Yeah, absolutely. How have you seen the whole bank on yourself uh, strategy and program evolve over the years? Oh, it's been... It's been amazing to see because in the beginning, we had a basic design of, of a whole life policy and we tried to get as much cash value into there as possible without without creating any type of tax issues going into the future. And, and, and that was kind of the hub. And we wanted everybody to understand this product. 
get out there and show people this product and this what it is. But we evolved more into what it was truly meant to be, which is a concept, a way of living, a way of understanding that if you park money in a place that's liquid, accessible, and available to you, you really don't remove any of your options in the future. So we have, over the period of 16 years, let's say, gone from, hey, look at this product, to I want to teach you this concept, and I want to understand you as an individual. I want to understand why you're sitting in front of me, and then I want to be able to apply what I know to educate you so you can understand the concept in your life, and you can choose whether or not this is going to make a profound difference in what you'd like to do. So we have gotten so much information from not only our own research and Pamela researching all these other financial products and and listening to other people and writing the books that she's done, which are so wonderful. Um, We have gotten so much feedback from individual mastermind members, the group, the, the bank and yourself authorized advisors that work with the clients on an individual basis. They've come up with their own ways to describe our concept and we share with each other everything that we know so we become stronger as a group. So we've been able to teach this concept in a number of different ways, not only through our own work, but through the works of all of the members involved and even our clients who have become in, uh, who have become mastermind members and bank on yourself authorized advisors as well. We've, we've seen such an evolution, Teresa, and in, in our, in, from pushing a, a product in the very beginning because we knew it was good to teaching this concept and helping people understand and educating them so they can be empowered themselves. Uh, it's been a wonderful trip. <laughs> so what do you see for the future? What do I see for the future of, of bank and yourself advisors and, and, and the people who work with it? Mm-hmm. I, my goodness, I, I see options. I see so many options for them. Uh, what's happened recently in our organization is we have seen bank and yourself clients, people who have had the policies and have been working and, and using this concept in their own life for over a decade, we see them start bringing other people into the fold and teaching them and showing them because they care about these other people and they love them so much that they want them to be uh, as happy as they are. So they're trying to pull other people in and say, look at what I've got. Look what I've been doing for the last 10 years. You need to do this. You know, we've, we've seen clients become active members and even even go ahead and get licensed and go through the authorization process like I was referring to earlier uh, so they can teach. So that's kind of the evolution I've seen recently and I see going forward into the future is this is starting to get caught by others and it's starting to spread and starting to get uh, more understood by more people. So very, very excited about that. It is very exciting. And with success, Right. They say um, copying or copycat is the ultimate form of flattery, I think. And so there are a lot of copycats out there, but they're not bank on yourself. What's the difference? Imitation. Imitation, right, is the ultimate yeah. form of flattery. Thank you. Yes, that's it. Yep. 
But I did the, that without my phone. I just want you to. Know. <laughs> I I could have googled it. I should have googled it. So, um, what's the imitation type of strategies that are out there that that are not bank on yourself, and why is that important to know? Okay. Well, you we talked about the success that we've had and the short term success of an advisor. It again, it has to be win win for everybody, and of course, it's gratifying and and to, to see people grow in this concept and, and have better lives because of us, of course we're not martyrs. And of course we, we make income from this. But we make income from people referring other people, from growing and starting multiple policies and understanding that they want more of this in their life. So they, they work with us on a, on a heavier basis. Okay. Now that we've been successful and we're out there and people see what we're doing, now we get those people creeping back in saying, how much can I make doing this? And they look at other products out there that can potentially make them more money under the guise of being a bank on yourself concept. So we've seen different types of life insurance policies being promoted as the bank on yourself concept. But it's a dangerous way to go because it's reintroducing uh, variables. It's reintroducing risk that was otherwise taken off the table when we did it. So I've, I've seen a lot of that happen uh, recently. So people trying to make a little bit more money selling different products that aren't quite as good for the client all the way to devastatingly horrible for the client uh, and misrepresented. So it's, it's very important to work with an authorized advisor out there because they are still doing what was uh, originally taught. Right. And I've actually been seeing that for years. You know, I, I'll have someone get referred to me and they'll tell me they've got, you know, they start a bank on yourself policy with somebody else. And do I know that advisor and et cetera. And then I ask them to look at the, the policy that they've got and it's not bank on yourself and it's got risk and it's guaranteed to fail. And I say that not tongue in cheek, if you look at the guarantee columns on those designs, you see zeros in the future. It is guaranteed to fail. And I hate to be the messenger, but I've got to convey that message to, to the, the prospect that what they've got is not what they think they have. And it's very sad. And many times, time, you know, does not stop for anyone. And they're older. And they put a lot of money into a policy thinking they were getting, you know, a bank on yourself offers. And sometimes, you know, we're able to mitigate the and and preserve the value that they've got into a new policy. But sometimes we can't because they've got health issues or life changes or they've retired and they don't have the same amount of money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it is really, really, really important. And that was, I think, you know, Pamela's done so many amazing things with branding and getting the message out there and educating the public on what Bank on Yourself is. And that is certainly one of the things that she's done such a great job at is, you, you know, the bank on yourself brand is the platinum brand out there. And when an advisor says, Oh, I can do that. Uh, you know, I can do the same thing. No problem. You got to think twice and you've got to verify with a bank on yourself advisor because we have to, in order to remain bank on yourself advisors, we have to follow 
exactly the recipe and the strategy that we talk about. We cannot deviate. Well, one really important thing that, that the people out there listening to us, if they decide to go to their financial planner or advisor or anybody and say, hey, do you know about the bank on yourself concept? And they say, yeah, sure, let me show you this. One thing you really have to ask them and ask yourself first before you even ask them is, why didn't they bring it up to you to begin with? That's always a great point. Yep. If it's so great and they can do it, why didn't they tell you about it in the beginning? Because their business model is not built around whole life insurance. The typical financial advisor's business model is called assets under management. And money that goes to whole life insurance does not fit under that model. They don't have a place for it under their model. That takes money away from their model. And it's not to demonize those advisors. It's just the way the model is. That's all. And uh, there's one other thing about their model. And I, I really don't sit out, I, I don't want to sit here and, and, and demonize financial planners out there because a lot of them are trying to do a really good job for their clients. Absolutely. They're really trying to do what's best for them. The one thing that's shocking to me, though, uh, is that this isn't taught more and this isn't a, just a seamless part of the, the financial planning process is to teach people about whole life. I don't know if you knew this, Teresa, but they use a Monte Carlo simulation. It's, that's a technical term for whatever they do where they run millions or hundreds of thousands of different scenarios to see what probability, if their assets are in a certain configuration, is going to yield success in their withdrawal rates and all those things in the future. Hey, you know, are you going to make it to your life expectancy with the money that you've got? And it issues a number, 90%, 80%, 95%. Um, almost always, the addition of life insurance, the way that we build it, increases the probability of them getting to where they want to go in those Monte Carlo simulations. Almost 100% of the time. You're absolutely right. And in 2000, remember 2008, 2009, 2010, when the real estate market just hit bottom and the market was down and people were really, really concerned about their finances. And I remember my financial planning magazines, you know, those journals that you get, you know, month after month, the cover of the magazine was, you know, why didn't the Monte Carlo model work? And why didn't this work? And why didn't this model work? And it's because they're models. That's all they are. It's not an exact science. It's just a model. They're just projections. And, you know, the industry talks about past performance does not equal, you know, future results. And they say that over and over and over again. And that's their disclaimer for everything from a legal perspective. They get to slap that on everything and say, well, look at the fine print, right? Past performance does not equal future results. But all of those models are based on past performance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it can never work. Absolutely. And so this brings up one other thing. Well, aren't we, you know, with 
our models, with our projections, with our policies, aren't we dependent on past performance? Not necessarily. I really don't feel that we're dealing with any type of past performance. Any type of projection that we currently do is based on what's happening right now. And a lot of people aren't in the insurance industry, and a lot of people don't know what's happening right now in the insurance industry. But what we're showing is exactly what's happening right now, projected to perpetuity. So today's snapshot all the way into the future. Is it going to exactly happen like it is today? I can't tell you that because we are running a projection. But what I didn't tell you yet is that we are showing some of the lowest dividend rates we've ever shown going out forever. Back in the 80s, there were double-digit perform. There was double-digit performance in the exact same products that we're using today. And could it happen again? Maybe. But we're not showing you that. We're not showing you any of the explosive wonderful years that we've had in this industry. We're just showing you some of the lowest projections we've ever had all the way into the future. So with a lot of confidence, I can say that uh, you're going to have a lot of certainty moving forward with the things that we project. And I would add that we're working with products that are guaranteed, right? The risk is not on the owner of the policies for the policy to, or or their plan to work. The risk is with the insurance company, the insurance company that's been around for over a hundred plus years. They are guaranteeing a certain level of performance and they are guaranteeing if certain things happen, right? If you pay premiums into the policy, you're guaranteed to have a certain amount inside the policy. That's a very different scenario than Wall Street, where there are absolutely no guarantees of anything. You get guarantees absolutely. with companies that have been around for over 100 plus years, and their business model is life insurance. And the, the regulation around the life insurance industry and the way the models work as far as, uh, you know, 10,000 individuals that say they're 50 years old that might be diabetic that have, you know, that are taking, you know, this medication, they know down to a science how many individuals will die and what year and how much money they have to pay out in claims. In fact, I've heard somewhere in my education that the life insurance companies that we work with have to have a criminal intent in order to lose money. And because it's, it is a profitable business model and because of the type of business or insurance companies that we work with, they're mutual insurance companies. The profits go back to benefit the policyholder in the form of dividends versus a stock insurance company whose sole purpose of existing is to increase shareholder value, not policyholder value. Absolutely, Teresa. Uh, the way I, I talk to people and, and try to explain that to them in a few less words is, do you want to be the profit center or the profit taker? Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> do you want to be the yeah. profit center or the profit taker? Yeah, because... You know, like you said, mutual companies are designed to be managed for the long-term benefit 
of the shareholders. And the shareholders in these mutual companies are, in essence, policyholders. Exactly. You are not the profit center. You're the profit taker in a mutual company. Exactly. They exist to serve the policyholders. They exist to have profit in the form of dividends paid back to the policyholder. And no, those dividends are not guaranteed, but that's why you've got a guaranteed column. And we, by law, every state insurance department regulates that we've got to show those guaranteed numbers. And when you look at the guaranteed numbers, you see, ah, there is a guarantee. I know at the very minimum, the amount I'm going to have any time in the future. Totally different model from a Monte Carlo scenario or any other scenario or projection or model that the financial services industry puts out there. The truth is nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. Nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. No one, right? We could have another 9-11 event. We have no idea. But we do know the history and the track record and the regulation and the oversight that these companies have. And that really is unprecedented in the financial services industry. And the Federal Reserve believes so much in what the whole life insurance companies do that they've basically said to their member banks, your tier one asset, the money that's got to be safe in reserve can go into these type of policies. Absolutely. Well, Marvin, our time is up. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for for sharing your wisdom and your expertise uh, with the audience and um, really, really have loved you and appreciated you for all these years. Uh, I know what a saint you were in the beginning answering uh, all my questions and holding my hand, but, um, you know, thankfully it's, it's served all of us. Oh, Teresa, it's my pleasure. Love you back. And, and this is just a wonderful journey. And it's been better since you've been along. Oh, well, now you've, you've, you've been amazing. You've been just so, so amazing. And so, um, and like you said, this really is only the beginning. We still have so many people out there that need to be served and need to understand this concept. We've got generations of people that really, really need to be, um, made aware of what an amazing strategy, financial strategy this is. And so um, thank you. And and I'm happy we're on the journey together. My pleasure, Teresa. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com. 